For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. Uh, we're doing another interview today, and I have Lara Waldman here with me as a guest. Uh, Lara, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, please do introduce yourself uh, quickly, who you are and what you do to the audience. Hello, it's a pleasure to be with you today. So I am Laura Waldman, also known as the Abundance Activator. I support conscious leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, change makers to expand into the next level of their impact, of their influence, and their income. I've worked as a healer and coach for almost 20 years now. I'm a manifestation expert and abundance coach. Okay, all of that sounds very interesting, and uh, I would love to start with the healer. Uh, I think you know it's something I often see on, on in my Facebook feed, but I've never really dived into what a healer is and what they. I mean, to me, uh, and I, don't don't take this the wrong way, but that was kind of you know one of those. Um, a bit too zen thing for me, uh, but I would love to learn more about uh, your approach, how you do it, and, and what it means for you to be a healer. Sure. So my journey as a healer has grown and evolved over the last 20 years. So I'd like to share with you how I use it now, because it very much connects to the work that I do now, which is always fascinating to me. As I do this work, I'm always learning. I'm a, a student as well as a teacher of this work. And for me, um, what, I, what my, how I use my healing skills now is around the inner game that takes place when we are creating our life on purpose, when we're out there doing our business, doing our you know, soul's purpose work, whatever you want to call it. When we have that call, that inner guidance, that feeling of what we're supposed to do, and that next step, uh, maybe it's to write a book or to speak on stage or to up your pricing, um, to take that next level, that next level of your impact, your influence, and your income, what happens for me is extraordinary. And this is the inner game of stepping into that next level. And so what, as a healer, what I see now is all of the, the thoughts, the beliefs, the emotions, the programs that were created at a much younger age in your life that come up as the inner obstacles, the blocks to you actually taking action in your, in your business or in your work. 
And these thoughts, beliefs, emotions programs come from all sorts of fascinating places. They can be from, you know, overt trauma, things that happened in the past. Um, They can also be from really fascinating to me, what I call ancestral trauma. So patterns that have been handed down through the generations that create really strong um, programs through our energy body, through our physical body and through our mind and how we literally think, feel and perceive the world. And so as a healer, what I do is go in and work with those programs, work with those um, neuropathos, if you like, that created those thoughts, beliefs, emotions that are actually in the way and an obstacle and help to essentially rewire them into a, a way that's in harmony with your purpose, in harmony with your heart, your soul, from my more spiritual language, but in harmony with what it is that you're actually wanting to create. So. Um, it's very much about soothing these um, emotions, calming them down, balancing them, and shifting those beliefs into um, effect, you know, beliefs that will actually serve you and support you moving forward. So I see it all as everything is energy. Everything's energy. And we want to get that energy flowing through your body, through your mind, um, to actually help you create effectively in your work in your what you're here to to contribute to the world okay well this sounds more familiar this is this uh, i'm just maybe not using uh those same words um like a lot of my clients i need to help them with what i call the inner demons things that are stopping them often they're connected with the past and and so on so and i'm guessing when you say you're a healer, you're not a surgeon uh, where you would just put me under some anesthesia or in a state of hypnosis and you would go in and rewire my brain. Uh, but it's probably uh, done alongside with you where, where I have to do my part and you're really just guiding me through all the steps um, and obstacles that I need to do to um to make those changes on the inside that can then manifest on the outside. That's exactly right. And I've actually struggled with the word healer because I can't heal anyone. I am not the one doing the healing. I'm a facilitator. I've called myself a spiritual midwife in the past. I help the person to make – it's about the individual making that choice. And I'm sure you know this as well, coaching so many people – you can't force someone to change if they're not ready to change. I guide people into saying yes to changing themselves. And sometimes human psychology is very interesting where we we think we're going to we go and we see the healer, or we see the therapist and they're the ones that are going to fix me, but absolutely it's not how it works. What happens is that's they- that's why I pinpointed this out because um I I feel too often we think we will find somebody um, who says, okay, I'll help you with the money manifestation. But then what we expect is for that person to knock us out into, uh, you know, uh, put us under hypnosis and then just open our head and rewire our brain. And bam, you know, like well, uh, kind of like looking or expecting that somebody has that magic wand or, you know, the blue and red pill and, and, and you just take the pill and bam, you are cured. It doesn't happen like that. Well, and some people may work like that, but for me, that's a very disempowering approach. My whole passion is about empowering people to understand that they have the power to change their lives. And 
I've never liked that feeling when people have come to me and be like, you fix me, you heal me. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Um, and so I really want to shift this way of thinking that we go to the guru or go to whoever, or go and pay that person or pay that person. They're going to, they're going to fix. It's absolutely not how it works. But through that exchange, through that financial exchange, it's really about that person saying yes to the change that makes the change happen. Um, so that's really, really important for me to make clear that we, we are the ones, we are at the center, we are the source of, of creation. We are the ones that are in charge of changing our life from an inside out place with support and with facilitation. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you 100% here. I mean, yes, uh, sometimes you can go to somebody who has a fix for you, but that doesn't solve anything on the long run because then you are constantly dependent on either that person or multiple different persons or whatever. Um, so it's, it's almost like you would just give somebody fish every f- a day instead of teaching them how to fish, which is what you know you do uh, using uh, 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 your analogy as the healer or what I do uh, is teaching our clients um, how they can do this not just once and to solve one problem, but they can apply same strategies, same techniques, same frameworks over and over and over and uh, overcome many different obstacles that will be on their 100%. Path. And and what I see going on, on the planet is there's a real misuse of power and um, it, people get manipulated from a place of, you know, feeling... Um, very vulnerable, you know, vulnerable people getting manipulated. And I feel very passionately about this message that we want to learn how to, you know, fish for ourselves. Perhaps we can dine together and eat each other's fish. I don't know, but um, maybe we need to be fed for a little while. But the idea is you want to get to a place where you're empowered, where you, you aren't dependent and reliant on uh, another person, but we can, you know, enjoy, we need each other, but, um, but to not keep, I, I see people giving their power away too quickly, too easily. And actually that, that t- when you give your power away, it actually diminishes your own power and it, it diminishes your ability to really show up powerfully in your purpose and, and what you're here to do in the world from my point of view, anyhow. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when, when you name yourself fail coach, uh, a lot of people come to you with huge problems that went through huge adversities, uh, still suffering from depression, anxiety, and so on. And a lot of these uh, clients of mine that I worked with in the past, they were <clears throat> going to a therapy, uh, meeting a therapist. Now, I'm, I'm not going to say that all therapists are uh, uh, like that, but the ones that I saw, the work that they did with those same clients, they were going to the same therapist for mm. 10 years. I, I remember one lady, she was like 11 years with the same therapist every week paying, I don't know how much it was, like 100 bucks or something like that per week. And when I dived into you know, what that therapist is doing, um, I mean, he was constantly taking her back. And instead of empowering her, he was just enforcing stronger and stronger and stronger negative emotions over the past. And basically, um, in, in from my perspective, how I viewed it, 
And again, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, be judgmental or anything here. But to me, that sounded more like, oh, I'm gonna, oh, I found this lady. She has huge problems. Let's, let's make her a client for this lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're a good, I mean, I worked then with that particular lady and in about <clears throat> eight or nine months, I mean, she went through a hell in, in, in her life and uh, in about eight to nine months, um, we made a change for forever. And now she, she's this joyful person uh, in, enjoying life. And, and I mean, amazing things started happening to her. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering often with, with a lot of this so-called therapists and, 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 heal, and healers and gurus and, and whatever they name themselves, that they're instead of empowering and, and giving this, uh, knowledge and experience forward so that people can move forward and, 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 you know, start living that they intentionally keep them in that past just because, oh, that would be a good client to have for the next 10 years. I believe that you are a good healer or, or therapist or a coach or whatever you name yourself. Um, if your clients can fire you as mm -hmm. soon as possible, that means you've done a good yes. job. I agree with you. And that's the inner work that the therapist or the healer needs to do for themselves because it's not, no one consciously wants to keep someone in a disempowered situation. But I noticed that, um, you know, in the early days for me as a healer, I had some clients I worked with for years and years and I looked back and thought, went, they're not shifting. They're not changing. What is going on here? And my journey in evolution was understanding that some people just don't want to shift out of their story. And they're very vested in their story. And also, perhaps the therapist, the healer might be vested in, in, in feeling needed. Maybe they get some kind of value of feeling needed. There's all sorts of fascinating things going on with that. But for me, I actually found it really drained my energy when I was working just as a healer to have clients that didn't really want to change. And what I found personally is when I raised my rates and when I created packages, I found that a lot of those clients that weren't really shifting and changing um, dropped away. They didn't, they didn't journey with me because they didn't really, they weren't really ready to do the inner work of what was required to shift. And so that's what I found really fascinating around pricing and investments and, um, and all the, 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 the money exchange and the psychology of that is really about that client, what they're saying yes to changing, what they're saying yes to. Um, and for me, um, as a healer, really having to hold people uh, more accountable to that and creating stronger boundaries, st creating a stronger container for that transformation to take place. I learned that, you know, through lots of experience, through some clients shifting and some clients not, and getting really curious about what is it that really creates change for people. So I guess it's a bit of an evolution there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you get your client at point A, and I mean, at one, at some point you need to take them to point B, or, I mean, you need to get there, uh, together to the point B. And then, you know, you, you, uh, you as, as a coach or a healer or a therapist, uh, you need to let go. I mean, it's okay if then the client wants to go from B to C and then from C to D and, and you have such vast experience and knowledge that you can bridge those gaps as well. But, but that initial, uh, a to B needs to end somewhere. It can't just last a lifetime and the client never uh, reaching point B. I agree.
Yeah. Um, Lara, I know that you have like a quite fascinating story of, of your journey that got you to where you are today, helping people with money manifestation and, and the healing things and so on. And I think our audience would greatly love to hear your story a little bit because there is so much value in that story as well and, and empowerment. So um, can I please ask you to give us, uh, let's say, a short-ish version of that story and then we'll dive into certain parts uh, after, after that. Sure. I, I struggle with the short-ish version of the story. I'll do my absolute best. It's been a, <laughs> a real 20-year journey so far. Um, I grew up in a beautiful place in Vancouver, Canada. I grew up around money. I grew up around wealth and affluence. I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't feel wealthy. But in retrospect, I did. Um, everything was squeaky clean, looked perfect on the outside. We went sailing in the summer, trips to Europe, um, um, and we, we had a beautiful home. Everything looked perfect on the outside. When I was 12 years old, my godmother, my mom's best friend, committed suicide. This was a huge transformation, transformational event um, in our lives. In retrospect, what happened was that this event triggered off all the unfelt, unprocessed, undealt with emotions, trauma, pain, um, unhealed problems within my mom, within my dad, within their marriage. It was a big, huge, huge shitstorm. My mom went into a, a depression. She withdrew from the family. And when I was 14 years old, out of nowhere, came home one day to find that my mom and half the stuff in the house had gone. My mom ended up coming out as a lesbian. And also, um, she was really struggling with her, you know, emotional balance and mental health for a, a lot of years through my teenage years. Um, I ended up living with her again, but it was, uh, you know, a very stressful time. What happened for me is that I went into very self-destructive patterns. I was very tough, very strong. I was really into sport. I was really just self-destructive. Drugs, alcohol, being promiscuous. And at some point, I fell into a depression. My energies dropped. I just felt exhausted all the time. And at that time, also developed eating disorders. I really went inward with really awful kind of self-hate, self-harm. Um, it was a very dark time. Interestingly, around the same time, I started um, dabbling in some self-development books, into some spiritual books, and started being interested in that. Um, I tried meditation once, and at some point when I was around 18, I got this vision, and I don't know where it came from, but I saw myself speaking to the world about consciousness. I saw myself speaking to the world about the fact that we have the power to consciously change our lives, to consciously create our lives. And I, in that moment, assumed that I was going to be a famous actress because it looked like I was this sort of celebrity person. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So very quickly, I went to first year university and, and looked around and thought, there's nothing for me here. And this little spark of a vision inspired me somehow to go for my this acting dream. I left university and started studying acting. 
This passion and drive for acting took me to London, England, where I have dual citizenship. And I thought, I know, I want to go study theater in London. So these were just ideas, but now I would call this sort of intuition. But at the time, I just had these ideas that were just crystal clear. And I took myself off to London, audition for theater schools, got into one, and ended up moving to London to start my successful acting career. About a year into living in London, um, I was reading another one of these self-development books, and um, I met my now husband. Um, he was a meditator. He was very calm. I was not calm. I had lots of, uh, you know, challenges emotionally, mentally, physically. I had a lot of physical health problems as well. Um, and I something in me knew I needed to try meditation, but I had huge resistance to it. I forced myself to sit and meditate and for 20 minutes, because that's what my husband did. And I hated it. I squirmed my chair. It was so uncomfortable. But at some point, I'm quite determined. So at some point, I uh, after maybe a few weeks, I had these moments of peace, moments of, <gasps> and then I got hooked. I got hooked on that feeling. And not long after that, I was meditating and at this point, um, I had finished theater school and I had a, a, a vision again. In my mind's eye, my eyes closed in front of me, it said, you are a healer. And I sort of heard it and I saw it. And all I remember is collapsing on the bed in floods of tears in the fetal position, just sobbing my little head off because I knew in that moment I wasn't going to be an actress. I didn't know what a healer was. I knew it had something to do with helping people, and I didn't know what the next step was. And all I remember saying was, all right, universe, whoever's talking to me, said, I'm not looking for this. You have to bring it to me. I was so pissed off. Um, I knew my whole life was about to change. Very, I was working in this health food shop at the time, learning a lot about health and whole foods and all that stuff. And I stumbled across this flyer, and I looked at it, and I just knew I was supposed to be on this um, healing course. And Day one of that healing course, I never looked back. I'm going to fast forward a lot of years, but those years as a healer, learning how to be a healer and help other people heal was really about me understanding the uh, connection between the mind, the emotions, and our physical health, our physical body. I had no idea how much trauma I was holding into my, in my body that was affecting how I thought about myself, how I felt, and also my physical, I did have physical health challenges at that time that were really affecting my life, mainly making me feel terrible, just making me feel bad about myself, making me feel overweight, making me feel bad. And I started to have these immense breakthroughs, a real sense of coming home. And I just was from that moment on was just wanting to basically heal the world and help people come home to this connection, to, to finally come home to this connection I was starting to feel. It was, I was motivated. I didn't know at the time, but in retrospect, I was motivated by this from the pain that I experienced as a teenager, but also the pain I, I saw my, my mom go through. And I was really determined. I saw that a lot of a lot of the pain that she went through and that we all went through as a result, I felt actually if she'd had the right tools and support, it didn't have to be that bit, that way. It didn't have to be that destructive. Um, so I really wanted to go out and help other people not have to basically get into such uh, you know, a, a mess in their life. I saw that it was avoidable with the right tools, the right support. So fast forward a lot of years, I ended up having two babies, two little girls. 
And, but I still had this big vision, this, this big purpose. And what was happening at that point, I was this healer trying to save the world, trying to help everyone. And then I had these babies. And at this point, we were really broke. We were really stuck financially. And I, all I remember is hanging endless amounts of laundry, looking around at my incredibly messy house, feeling completely stuck, completely trapped and frustrated by this limitation of my life. I loved being a mom, but I just felt so trapped financially. And I had never really, I hadn't realized any of this consciously, but what happened is that I had unconsciously rejected money. And it wasn't until this moment that I realized because I collapsed on the sofa again going, and I remember sort of shouting out to the universe being saying, what is going on with money and this planet? I just remember asking that question. And I sat, had my eyes, my eyes closed. And then suddenly this, I got this vision again. I started developing this ability to, when I asked questions, I'd get these answers, these really profound, beautiful answers. And I started to be shown all of this information around the truth around money and how money works. I hadn't realized it, but I had a lot of judgments around money and wealth because I grew up in it and I saw that there was all this wealth around me, but people were still unhappy. People were really stuck and judgmental. And I'd sort of connected wealth and unhappiness together. And once I found this sort of spiritual path, I thought, this is the truth. This is all that matters. Until that point where I was like spiritually rich, um, rich with incredible tools for healing and helping people, but I was financially broke. And then I had this pendulum swing where I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to help the world make a difference, make an impact, and I have no money. I'm limited and stuck. And then my journey began around um, really understanding, you know, how to work with money in a conscious way to rewire some of my, uh, well, a lot of judgments and thoughts and beliefs around money and realized and started to understand that money is, is just like fire. It's an energy, it's, it has power, and we get to choose how we use it. So fire has the ability to heat our home and, and cook our food and be, be something beautiful, sit around with a fire or, or candle, or it can destroy and burn down and kill. And I realized that it's just an energy. I was shown it's just an energy. And we as individuals get to choose how we use it. And so once I saw that there was a way to, to work with money in a really conscious way, in a really beautiful way, I started to play with money. And what it started to teach me was um, that in welcoming money in and in, in, in allowing money into my life, I had to do a lot of inner work because I had put up all these walls and barriers of protection around myself that was stopping me from receiving not just money. Money was just you know, the kind of wake up call. It was love. It was support. Um, it was a feeling of connection. And my rejection of money actually was a rejection of myself. And then it was also limiting my, my impact. It was limiting my ability to really bring my, my purpose and my gifts out in the world. So ever since then, and this has been an evolution, I've been working consciously with money and money manifestation for eight years now. 
I've really understood that we can use it in a really, really powerful way for our own inner transformation, our own inner growth, and um, also for our outer change. So this is what really fuels me is how do we, how can we do everything in our life in a, in a conscious way, money, our business, every area of our life that really helps us to make a great impact in the world. And, and, and that's where I, where I sit now. Okay, <clears throat> Lara, a few things that I want to ask you, but let's start. So, okay, it's obvious you first had to do the work on yourself, yeah. inside mm -hmm. of you. It's, it's something that I constantly preach as well. Um, you, the entrepreneur, you as a person, you are that first and biggest pillar of the foundation of your business. Yeah. So that's where everything starts. That's where everything ends if things are not aligned uh, with what an entrepreneur should be and, and how, what are the soft skills and the hard skills that you need for your particular business and so on. And so you have to do the inner work first. Absolutely. Um, now, to give some more value to the listeners, um, if you could maybe walk us through, I don't know, maybe a few of the different techniques that... So one was to get the epiphany, the aha moment, the breakthrough, however you want to call that. What were some of the techniques, some of the uh, hard skills that you then implemented um, to, because, you know, one thing is to get an epiphany and to become, oh, okay, money is just a good, I mean, because this topic is something that so many entrepreneurs are, are faced with. That's why I'm drilling so hard um, uh, in, into this because I know that you have amazing knowledge that you can share here. What were some of the steps, the actual real-life steps after that epiphany on the inside? So what were you doing on the outside? And uh, maybe a timeline, how, how long it took for you know, that change to materialize in the real world as well? Good questions. And there's a lot of different pieces to this puzzle. But actually, when you break it down, it's something very, very simple. It was a journey for me. And if anyone knows and they're trying to change their life, it can feel quite messy when you're in the middle of it. And I, I, I tell you, I didn't really know which end was up. Um, and it's, it's still something I work with all the time. So everything I'm going to tell you now, I'm still practicing all the time. It's a constant journey. As any entrepreneur knows, we're, we're always having to be willing to be, be open to learning, to growing, to expanding. So the first thing, one of my first steps is to really get clear on your vision. What is it? What is it that you want to do? The impact that you want to make, the lifestyle that you want to lead, the amount of money that you want to have. For me, this is the lighthouse. This is the destination. This is, you know, you want to go to Australia, right? Um, have that kind of vision of the end point of where you want to go. And we want to tap into that vision. For me, this is the fuel. This is like that, that motivation, that driver that's going to keep you going when you hit up against those roadblocks, you hit up against those obstacles. For me, this is what I call your inner guidance speaking to you. I take this on a slightly more energetic spiritual level where I believe there is a calling uh, in your heart, in your soul of what you're here to do or the potential of what you're here to do. I see it like a seed. A seed knows what, it, what to grow into. It needs the right environment in order to grow and to bear that fruit in, in time. Your heart, from my point of view, is a seed, a seed of consciousness that knows 
what it wants to grow into knows what it wants to become. We have to become really, really good listeners and listen to that. I call it your inner guidance system. So one of my first steps is getting quiet enough and still enough, slow down enough to listen. So I talk a lot about self-care, about a, a self-care practice. And, you know, we hear of words like self-love, you got to look after yourself. But really, this is something very, very pragmatic, which is helping you to connect, helping you to connect to that inner wisdom. This part of you, from my point of view, knows how to create your life. It's not a how on a mind level, but it knows how to guide you and lead you into the next step. We have to get quiet enough to connect. So first, my first step is to relax. To do some kind of daily practice, daily ritual for yourself. And when we're busy entrepreneurs and we, we've got a big purpose and we've got a big impact, there's a lot of, we're, we're really taught the value of doing and we think that everything we create comes from our action, comes from what we do. And yes, that is a piece of it, but there's a whole other piece for me that feels quite magical, which is the, the inner work, the inner work that actually can create. So we want to think about, I like, I got into meditation as a way to get still, but it could be walking in nature. Um, it could be listening to music. It could be dance. Um, it could be having a hot bath. It could be also exercise is really important, moving the body. So we want to tap into this inner guidance. So that is my step one. Step one, relax. And it seems, it's an easy thing to say, but it's actually a really difficult thing to do because the mind cannot understand the value of relaxing. How is relaxing going to create effectively in my life and my business? And what I found and discovered, and I've just I learned this the hard way, by the way, through get you know getting slam dunked over and over again by life, that I had to stop, go within, and listen. And why this is so important as well is this helps us to get out of the head, out of the ego, out of the mind, and tap into what I call heart consciousness, but that inner wisdom, the inner guidance that knows how to guide you forward in a much more easeful way. So that is my step one. Do you have any questions for me about that first step? No, no, no. I'm uh, like right now already thinking, you know, like after we finish with this interview, I need to go and do a little bit of meditation. And, and so, so I'm already getting a whole lot of ideas what I need to do today after this interview is done. Brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So this is, um, for, for me, self-care, this practice is the secret sauce to success. And it's really, it's the challenge is the mind. So you just got to understand the mind's going to tell you a whole lot of other stories, why that's not possible. So I make this the first thing I do. I start my day because this is how you, we get really connected, really in alignment with what we're doing. Step two is release because what happens is the mind can create mountains out of molehills. The mind just can take us into all sorts of crazy directions that actually leak our energy, that actually might get you to take action that's not in alignment with your vision. There's a gazillion things we could be doing every day. And the mind, especially when we have like maybe unconscious sabotage patterns or maybe there's fear or doubt or whatever it is that you're facing within yourself, 
that part of you can unconsciously create a whole lot of crap in your life where you can still be very, very busy taking a lot, a lot of action, but that action is not actually getting you the, the results that you truly desire. So it's sort of ego led action. And this is what we want to release. So when you when you're in that relaxing letting um, space, stopping, what happens is the mind, the body will naturally start to release. It's like defrosting those busy, spinny thoughts that lead you chasing your tail. So we want to get out of the spin of the mind, all the points of views, judgments, beliefs of the mind, and connect. So the step two is to release, and you release by creating space, creating space to be. So this is the power of being and how we create from being. From this place, we drop in and connect, connect powerfully into your body, land in, drop in, and when we're really connected to our vision, to our heart, to our body, the mind will be more still and it gets very clear and there's room to hear that inner guidance, which we all have. It's like an inner voice that just knows. And from there, we're more open to receiving, we're more open to ideas, it taps you into your creative potential, it opens the doors to what is possible and what is actually available to you to co-create with the life. So I see on a kind of energetic level that the universe is here to bring you what you truly desire. But also on a really practical level, if you release stress and anxiety, your mind is more available for ideas, creativity, inspiration, insights. You're more open to opportunities. You're more likely to take action when you're feeling more relaxed than when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, or at least the action will be a, a more effective action. So very pragmatic. And then, um, and then what we want to do from that place is really listen. So I tune in every day. Um, it's like my business, I call business meetings with source or business meetings with my higher self and ask what action am I being guided to take today? What is the most effective action that I can take today? And really listen because the mind might think all sorts of things the shoulds, the shoulds, the shoulds. But actually, when we listen, there's usually one, two, three, perhaps steps, action steps that will be the most effective for you in your life at this time, for you and your business at this time. And it's often the most directional. It's very focused. It's very direct. And it creates the greatest result with the least amount of stress and drama. So that's, that's it. And then, when we, and then we have to take that action. And sometimes that action might be really confronting. So for me, it was like making a YouTube video. It was putting up my pricing. Um, it was creating new structures, new systems in my business. Um, it was public speaking. It was writing my book. And those, all those steps then brought up my, <laughs> brought up all sorts of new thoughts and beliefs and emotions. But with the action, this is, I'm a really big uh, believer in support, in the right support. Whatever action you get that you need to take, because you know, I think we do, we really know what we're supposed to be doing, but we distract ourselves. So then the question would be, who or what can support me with this? Or what support do I need to be able to take this action with ease or take this action effectively? And that's where, you know, you might want to be looking at a coach or a mentor to basically hold your hand as you take those scary wobbly steps forward and 
you know, that is the journey of the business owner entrepreneur, as you know, and there's lots of learning. There's sort of wobbling through the discomfort of the unknown. And slowly, what I found is this part of us is very intelligent and it will take, it would really, it's very pragmatic and it will tell you what is that next practical and best action steps. Um, because I was uh, maybe being a woman, I don't know, but maybe more emotional, I was very sensitive. For me, it's been a real challenge to take this really direct action. I've had to do a lot of inner work, a lot, a lot, probably more inner work than maybe someone who's a bit more practical um, needs. So for, for, I work with a lot of kind of highly sensitive, very intuitive um, clients that need to do more inner work, but some people might just need to do a little bit, a little bit of self-care and then boom, you're off. I'll stop there and see if there, you have any questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This, I mean, um, you explained it really, really nicely. Uh, I mean, I can see so much of how I help my clients that are at that early stage. I'm just using different yeah. words. They're just like maybe more, I don't know, more earthly or I don't know how to say that. I mean, but, but the, the meaning, the, the point behind it is literally the same. Now, my next question, if like this was a great explanation of how somebody starts a business. Starting a business is so much more about the heart than the logic. Of course, you need to combine both. But then as your business grows, you go from six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine, and, and above figures, uh, there's more and more hardcore logic structure. Now, I know for a fact that most entrepreneurs are the creatives because that's how you start something. But what they struggle with, and that's where a lot of my clients come from, is they, they struggle with the structure that follows after that. You know, uh, Once they need to have 20, 30, 50 employees, and then you, know, you need to have checks and balances and numbers and, and, and you know, systems in place and so on. And uh, do you have any ideas, any suggestions, any tips, how to go with that transformation where you go from being the creative, the emotional with in touch with your heart to balancing and grounding yourself to uh, embrace the other side as well. Because what I've seen in, in the past from all of my clients and from myself, from my first few companies that went bankrupt, at one point, this the, the way you explained it is is the best way to start something. Like that's the the absolutely best way to start something, and the most uh, uh, warm way to start it. But uh, then you hit a plateau. Maybe that's at six figures, at seven figures, but eventually you hit a plateau, and you need to start balancing yourself uh, and uh, going on the other side of the logical side as well so do you have any advices any tips any techniques how once we reach that point where 
we need to introduce structure how we go about it. Well, it's a very good question, and I almost want to want to reverse it back to you because I think this is your area of expertise um, in terms of the structures and systems. And I'll be very transparent with you. This is something I've really had to learn about because I was so on the energetic side of things, so on the emotional well-being and the mental well-being. Um, this was one of my big blocks that I, I hit up against is I didn't have the structures and systems in place to really hold, to receive the next level. And this is what I've been learning about how to ground and really yeah, get that earthy, grounded in the world connection so that we're merging that heart consciousness with structure, the foundations that can hold that growth, right? Those, you, you know this even better than me, it's the, it's the foundations of the, the house, it's like a third of the, the structure of the building, right? For the rest of the structure to, yes, yes. to uh, I remember this architect um, was explaining, it was a, it's a third and, and a lot of it's, well, the third of it is underground as well, the stuff that we don't see. Um, so I would say it, for growth and financial growth, having the right structures and systems is essential. And I'm going to be very transparent and say I'm still learning about this. And this is where I think you come in with your skills and knowledge. So I would like to ask you, like, what do you think is needed to merge so that, that the entrepreneurs don't get burnt out and don't unconsciously sabotage or destroy what they've built because that's what i see is if we're if we don't have that container to hold our creations we unconsciously destroy it could be our health it could be our relationships and it could be eventually our business so what what do you think i'm curious to ask you from your experience because i feel you're a bit more experienced on this level than i am well, I mean, thank you for saying that, but it's 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 quite simple actually. Uh, so, if I look at my first few companies, the ones that got bankrupted, and and you know my failure story and so on. Uh, so I was, you know, just like any other creative entrepreneur, uh, uh, in touch with emotions, heart centered, and so on. That's how I was doing mm. things, and that's why they failed because there was no structure. And you know, you can you can try for long. Like for example, now is almost the same as it was uh, before that financial crisis in two thousand and eight. Right now, the whole macroeconomic situation is booming. Real estate is going up. Stocks are going up. You know, like right now, it's very hard to fail. It's very hard to, to, to go bankrupt right now uh, because you're riding the wave of positive uh, macroeconomic situation. Now, what will happen eventually is that we will have another crisis. Uh, whether that's this year, next year, but it's 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 here somewhere. So you know, and and the thing is that the world is much more connected than it was ten years ago. So I think that the influence of the whole uh, crisis that will come will be even bigger, and it will be even harder the impact. And of course, that's where uh, things start going wrong if you don't have that logical part, that foundational part, cash flow, uh, and, and all of those things uh, done well. Um, and uh, that's what happened to me. And so, unfortunately, 
there are plenty of very easy solutions. Unfortunately, at that time, um, as you might remember, I was uh, $5 million in personal debt. Uh, uh, and so I had no money to you know, hire somebody or do something like that. So I had to learn the whole thing hard, the hard way. And what helped me was uh, uh, being more more and more mindful, not practicing mindful meditation. I mean, that one is amazing, but just, you know, being mindful, like throughout the day, being able to not react with the autopilot, because my autopilot was good just for the starting part, not for the growing part. Um, And then emotional intelligence played a huge, huge impact. Um, Understanding emotional intelligence and uh, being uh, uh, understanding when it's time to use something. What I see with most entrepreneurs is that, uh, and me included in the past, we use emotions when logic is needed and logic when emotions mm-hmm. are needed. So that one is often off balance. So it was more soft skills like that, which, you know, you can't really just pick a book, read it, bam, and tomorrow you are emotionally intelligent or mindful. So it takes quite a lot of practice. That's why my whole journey back was was so long uh, to my last startup. So it took me three and a half years of learning, practicing, working on myself to really connect the two sides. Uh, but if, I mean, I'm still more the first side. Um, what what I did, for example, in, in my current business is I'm hiring the other side. And, and that's, that's what I do with most of my clients. So when they come to me, we... Uh, we put structure in place, and then because one thing is, um, I can I can do both sides. I don't like to do the other side. So if I'm doing the operational, if I'm doing the logical, I'm actually killing the creative yes. side. But you know, the thing is, you need to understand that you need both sides. So it, you can partner with somebody who who is on the other side. Uh, you know, if you don't have the resources to employ, you can always make a, a, a business partnership and find somebody who fills that spot, who is like an amazing COO and, and you are the amazing CEO. Or, uh, you know, you can just employ, put a structure in place. Um, I, I've worked with, with quite a lot of uh, them last year uh, who, were, who were in this kind of situation. And with most, we put uh, uh, just a structure in place. Uh, that can run without them being involved, enabling them to really just do what they love, what they're best off, give their value to the company through where they can give the biggest value and not bother them with stuff that they hate doing. But what, what is very important, and this is something that most entrepreneurs also struggle with, is trust. Mm. Um, trusting that Trusting the system. And this is where I really help them the most. So we create a system that they can truly trust and then it's easy to let mm. go. That, so that's that's I think that's the biggest thing is is not just creating a system, having a system in place, but done in a way that they have checks and balances in place, that they have a system that where they can log in and, and just quickly from a few KPIs see that everything is doing well, where they have a system of what meetings they need to do on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, that it, it takes minimum of their effort and time, but gives them enough information that they feel that they are still on top. Brilliant. What a great 
gift so, you've got. But but it's really very simple. I mean, you know, like um, you you have entrepreneurs like let's say Jeff Bezos, Amazon. He started, you know, like a creative, like a crazy entrepreneur, startup owner. But then each step in business, he was stepping into that new role. And if you look at him today, I mean, he just looks like any other CEO, looks and acts as any other CEO. Uh, Who I see has a lot of problems is, for example, Elon Musk, uh, because he is that creative type. And I think he would be best off if he would just run around the world and just create new startups and new startups and new startups and then have a solid team behind him to take over from seven or eight figures Mm. onwards. Um, And now an an example of a well-balanced entrepreneur is Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs was, you know, that crazy, uh, I'll change the world type of entrepreneur. But if you look at his keynotes and everything he did, he always made sure that he was presenting to all of us, the clients, the investors, that there are team members who are not like him. Like if you look at any keynote from Elon Musk, at least the ones I saw, I never saw anybody from Tesla on on the stage um, explaining things. Mm. And like Steve Jobs made sure he came to the stage, he did his five, 10 minute storytelling thing, get the audience all warmed up and rallied up. And then he would, you know, call his other people, the logical Mm. parts um, onto the stage. And and that was kind of the balancing between him and and, and the structure that you need. So um, I had to learn how to, in a way, I mean, don't take this the wrong way or the audience. I'm not saying that I'm Steve Jobs, but I mean, in, you know, in a way I had to learn how to balance the both sides and, 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 and do both of them. But if you ask me what I love doing, I love, you know, the, 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 the first one and not the second one. So I hire the second yes. one. Yes. So it's knowing what to outsource, um, yeah, I mean it's it, and I think balance balance is the the word I'm I'm hearing and all of that as well, and and yeah. that balance is changing all the time. So for me, the inner work is really doing that listening, uh, being willing to let go, being willing to step into something new. I think every level there's a new level within ourselves that we have to meet and reach. That's the inner game. And then also learning new skills or maybe there's new systems or new support people or, or growing your team or a different team and, and that willingness to be in the unknown, I think, and, and sort of humble enough to say, actually, I don't know going out and get the help you need, the support you need. Um, and, uh, for me, it's it's the willingness to be in the unknown and to not assume, not being that ego of like, I know it all, I've got this sorted, um, to also stay open. Um, and that, for me, that's a balance because it's uh, there's not one there's not one answer, there's not one size fits all, and we're all different. All of our businesses need slightly different things, but I think there's at the end of the day, as you say, it's really simple. <laughs> Often the thing that works the best are the most simple things. Yeah, yeah, you just, I mean, you can do it the hard way, the way I did it. Um, And I'm not saying that's a wrong way because, you know, I've learned so much, I've grown so much. And it's because of that that I do what I do now. Otherwise, I would never be able to do what I do. Uh, But it it, it was very challenging. And, you know, I was um, many times very close to committing suicide. 
uh, the last time before the aha moment, I was like literally seconds away. And, you know, um, it was a few seconds that uh, maybe I wouldn't even be here anymore. So, you know, it, it can be very challenging if you do it the hard way. I'm not saying don't do it the hard way because some people have to do it the hard way so that they can then learn and grow from that experience and be able to help others not to go that route. Uh, so, you know, I'm definitely never saying, oh, don't, don't try the hard way, but there are much easier ways uh, absolutely to do it. And, you know, if like, for example, my clients, um, you know, they hire me and, and then I safely guide them through that whole process. Um, and they, they know why they do it. And, you know, um, after we are done, like, you know, um, they, they, uh, they save 80, 90% of the time that they were spending on stuff that they hated in the mm -hmm. first place. Um, and was not fulfilling them. Now they open themselves to new possibilities, new creativities. I have these two co-founders. Uh, we were just working uh, with them last year and we achieved the same thing. Now they spent roughly maybe 15 to 20% of the time on the things that they absolutely love. And when they were, they are the zones of geniuses of them too, uh, adding value to their current business. But now they're all over the place, creating new ventures, new ideas. And uh, they are again, loving the mm -hmm. life. It's, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's almost like, going back to your childhood that playful childhood where you can do what you want and how you want it you have the freedom of money and and time and you have the freedom of choice and then you step into your purpose i mean it's just i believe that you can't find your purpose that your purpose finds you and it's when 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 you least expect it but when when you have the freedom of choice and, and there's nothing holding you back. And then you migrate towards whatever is closest to your heart. And what there, that's where the purpose is waiting for you. But you need to do the full circle. I mean, some people are lucky and, you know, they find their purpose at age 10. And for their whole life, they can play that violin or, you know, do something like that. Most, I think, we found that, I don't know, between... After 30, maybe even before, between 30 and 50 years old, is uh, if if you do the steps to um, to let go of all the what's holding you back, you know the the daily struggles, the monthly struggles. Because when you have the freedom of time, when you have the freedom of money, um, that's when you choose what you want to do. You don't have to do anything at all anymore. You can just lie on the couch if that's what you choose to do. But most people, we don't choose that. We start going towards what really um, connects. But it's hard to find that when you know you have bills to pay and you need to figure out how to get to the end of the month and so on. You, you, you are not free enough. Your mind is not free to enable you to connect with the heart uh, because you know, uh, phone calls, uh, bills, this and that. And, and, uh, like you said, uh, earlier, um, it's, it's, we, our natural, uh, reaction when, when we need stuff to be done is that we start with our head and we try to solve and we go to the fire ground and try to take care of the higher ground. But the magic happens in the firehouse, uh, where, we really connect with the inner self and take time and take space and, and so on. So uh, you and I, we're talking a lot about the same things, just 
yeah, using very different vocabulary. I mean, at least that's how I, I see, see it. it as well. And I'm so glad, you know, we, sometimes we need different vocabulary, <laughs> but it's true. There's fundamental truths. I think it's sort of universal wisdom, if you will, of how to create effectively in this world. And we need all, you know, like the soft skills, the hard skills, the, the foundational, the structures and the systems, as well as the heart, as well as that creative energy, um, mindset, emotions, all those systems need to be working together as one system to be effective. And that's what I love. It's like on every level, whatever you look at, whether it's like physical ground, earthy level, the mind, the emotions, all those systems need to be working in harmony together in order for us to really effectively create in this world. And that is a journey. And we we do grow and learn from failure, as you so well know. And um, and it's also okay. Like, I think it's also about being humble enough to, I think that's ultimately why we're doing it for our own personal evolution, transformation, and then contribution. Uh, I have to be mindful of your time. You have a phone call uh, in a few minutes. So uh, and we've been talking for an hour already. So maybe I would love to invite you to tell us a little bit about Lara. Um, you know, my audience loves to know the person on, from the personal side as well. Mm, I'd love to tell you about me. Uh, so I live in London with my two girls. They're teenage girls. My husband, we've been together for 19 years now, which I'm very proud of. Um, we have a dog and a cat. I absolutely love animals. I love children. I love connecting out in nature. Um, I love, I love connecting to that magical creative energy. That's really what I live for. That's what makes me feel really alive. I do a huge amount of this self-care. So I, I, <laughs> it, it, I sometimes think if people look at my life, I look like a lady of leisure, I live quite a luxurious lifestyle. But for me, it's all very like, um, it's my business strategy. So I do a lot of I'm exercising, moving my body, eating well, meditating. Tonight I'm getting myself a massage, um, making sure I have a balance between work, like work-life balance. I really learned that my drive to make a difference in the world and to help people actually really negatively affected my personal life. And I wasn't giving enough time and love and attention to my personal life to those things that really matter that bring real true fulfillment and so now I really make sure to put time into like I, I could feel super busy my business needs this and that and that and the other but actually to stop and have dinner as a family for example to to make time to cook a nutritious meal to to make time to walk out in nature so for me this lifestyle is really really important and I've also learned that it's the key it's actually a key to like true fulfillment true success and to actually live and experience a life of abundance so that's how I roll now it's you know I've learned that the hard way as well (laughs) um and yeah I feel I feel after you know it's been a lot of just for people listening like it's been a 20 year journey for me to get to this point and um I feel deeply blessed and, and, and grateful. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's me. <laughs> well, thank you for this lovely, lovely um, introduction to you. And yeah, there is a lot of truth in what you said. I mean, uh, we always need to take care of the first pillar, 
If you don't take the, 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 so the foundation of the business foundation is you, the entrepreneur. So if you don't take care of that foundation, the second foundation will fall apart. If you then don't take the, uh, the care of the second foundation, the house above it will fall apart. So that's how things go. And you always have to return back. Whenever something is wrong in your business, you have to go back to the first yes. pillar and then to the second and then to the business. Um, so, Lara, it was an absolute pleasure having you as a guest. I, I love how we talked about all of this. I love how you gave so much valuable and inspirational uh, information and, and value bombs and, and truth bombs and all of that, all of the bombs. Uh, I really very much appreciate you for what you do, for who you are, and uh, really thank you for being my guest. Um, all the best on your journey. And uh, we need to make sure that we will reconnect soon. And, and, and because I would love, love to stay connected with you and, and being in your network. Take care. Thank you so much.